On we go to the Bosma trial. We have now, as I said off the top, we have now heard three, we're going to call it competing versions of the truth. And I'm using, you can't see me, I'm on the radio, but I'm doing the, the quote marks, the truth. Three versions of the truth laid out in court of what happened on the night that Tim Bosma was killed. We've heard Mark Smitch's version while he was on the stand giving his version of what happened and how Tim Bosma died. We have heard Dellen Millard's lawyer through cross-examination essentially outlining what their client says is the truth of what happened. And we've now had the Crown Attorney taking a turn going after Mark Smitch in cross-examination. So we've been able to get a pretty clear sense of what the Crown Attorney's belief is of what happened that night. Not surprisingly, it is after all a murder trial. Not surprisingly, the difference, there are differences. None of the stories are exactly the same. So what we're facing now, what the jury is facing, is they are going to have at least three versions of the story that they are going to have to wade through and come to some sort of decision, some sort of judgment on which one of these is true or truer. I don't know that really, because you could probably argue, right? There's going to be, there's actually four versions of the story, Smitch, Millard, the crowns, and the absolute truth. But which is, which of these stories is true enough to either acquit or bring a conviction? Molly Hayes is the Spectator's writer who has been doing an admirable job covering the Bosma trial from the very beginning. Molly, I don't know how much longer you can actually keep up with this. It's got to become a, uh, it's got to grind you down after a while, but I appreciate you doing this tonight. Hey, no problem. So let's go through these one after another. I'll give you a couple of minutes with each one and sort of outline the story of what happened generally, the broad strokes of what happened according to each of these stories. Starting with Mark Smitch, if I am to believe Mark Smitch, what happened that day? Sure. So um, Mark Smitch's story is, uh, we heard that from him. Mark Smitch, as most people probably know, chose to take stand at this trial. His co-accused, Ellen Millard, opted not to testify. Uh, so we heard his version um, through the suggestions of his lawyer during the cross-examination of Smitch. Um, so, so Mark Smitch has uh, repeatedly, consistently throughout this trial, um, or at least through the nine days he was on the stand, said that he did not kill Tim Bosma. He says that he and Millard did have a plan to steal a truck and that they'd spent a year uh, looking, them, looking for them online, checking them out, scoping them out, and that that's what they were supposed to be doing the night of May 6, 2013. He says they went there uh, with the goal of scoping out the truck to see if the conditions were right, and then if they were, they would return later to steal it. He says that just as they were rolling out of the driveway from Bosma's house that night in the truck, that Millard made up a story about getting a text from a friend. Uh, Millard had told the bosses when they got there, showing up on foot in rural Lancaster, which they had some questions about, he had said, oh, a friend dropped us off, he went to Tim Hortons, um, which everybody seemed to accept. Smith says in the truck, Millard pulled out his phone, pretended to get a text from that fictional friend, and said he got lost, couldn't find Tim, he's pulled over around the corner. Um, so Millard then drove the truck, Smith says, to where they had parked the, the Yukon that they arrived in. Um, Smith says they were just pulled into kind of a laneway around the corner from the Bosma house. So when they got there, Millard turned to Smith, she says, and suggested, hey, why don't you get out and you two can just follow us, and that way we don't have to come back here at the end. 
uh, Smith says he knew, obviously, that there wasn't another person in the Yukon, but took the hint and said, okay, and got out and followed them. He says from there, he followed them and followed them until they suddenly pulled over on a rural, or sorry, a side road in Brantford. And he says it's there that he uh, saw Millard get out of the truck, holding a gun, putting it into his satchel. He said Millard looked like a lunatic all of a sudden and said he's taking the truck. Uh, And Smith says he got out and walked over, and that's when he saw Tim Bosma slumped over the dashboard and a bullet hole in the window. So that is what Mark Smith says happened. So Mark Smith very clearly is making it that it is Dellen Millard who pulled the trigger. He was not even in the truck. He wasn't even there. He had nothing to do. He knew he was going to steal a truck, but had nothing to do with planning or being involved in the murder at all. Yep, absolutely. And he also says, so we know that a large component of this case is is that not only was Tim Bosma killed, his body was incinerated. Um, So Mark Smith has also said that he didn't help put his body in there, that he had nothing to do with that either, that he had a bad shoulder and and couldn't have. Um, But he does admit that he helped strip the truck and wash it. So he admits to to being part of the cleanup process, but he says that he was in fear of Dylan Millard at that point, and that's why he uh, did what he was told. Okay, so now we go to Dellen Millard's lawyer. So that's that's Mark Smith's version. He didn't kill Tim Bosma. He didn't dispose of the body of Tim Bosma. He simply helped clean up the truck, and so he was involved but peripherally. Mm-hmm. We go to the cross-examination now of Mark Smith by Dellen Millard's lawyers, who, now, while Dellen Millard himself has not spoken, we can get a pretty good idea from their line of questioning and suggestions they're making of what they are going to say happened. What would their version of the story be of what happened from what you can get out of their cross-examination? So so from Millard's defense team, uh, it, it is the exact opposite. They are uh, pointing the finger squarely back at Mark Smith. Um, so they say that they uh, left the house that night. They, they also say they went on the test drive. They went to Tim Bosma's house. They got in the truck. And they say that as they, they pulled away and headed towards the highway so that Millard could get a, a a feel for it on the road um, that Mark Smith suddenly just pulled out a gun and said, we're taking the truck. We're taking the truck. Um, there was a panic. They say that Millard said, Oh no. And Smith told him, don't worry. Uh, and that Bosma grabbed the gun. And in that uh, kind of struggle, it went off and, and killed him and hit the window. So they say this happened on the highway that Del Millard panicked and knowing he'd parked his Yukon, near the Bosma house, turned around to go back and get it. And that that is when Mark Smith gets in the Yukon and follows. And Dellen Millard's lawyers clearly suggest then that Mark Smith was also involved in the incineration. Yeah, so they suggest, uh, similar to the Crown, that it's, uh, I mean, it's a large incinerator. We've seen photos of it. We know that that Tim Bosma was a tall man. Um, there's a suggestion that uh, this is a two-man job. They, they also suggest that um, Dell and Miller was helping to clean up Mark Smith's mess. Their kind of main um, argument is that the reason these two were out scoping a truck in the first place was because Dell Millard quite literally wanted one. He wanted one to drive. He, he planned to keep it. This wasn't about flipping it and selling it. Um, and so they say if he wanted a truck so bad and he spent a year looking for one, why would he then ruin it by turning it into a murder scene? Okay, so now, so we've got each of the two accused pointing the finger at each other and saying the other one did it, and really they knew nothing about the idea, they had no idea that there was going to be a gun or anyone dying involved. We get to the Crown Attorney today and, and Friday, I guess, that was, uh, uh, yeah, Friday, that was doing the cross-examination from their 
questioning, from what they are suggesting? What does the Crown seemingly believe happened this night? So the Crown is arguing that that both of these men are culpable, that they came up with this plan together, that they spent a year tracking down a truck and a target to steal, kill, and then burn. Uh, They say that Mark Smith was not a patsy by any means, that he was a full partner in crime in this, and that they both knew perfectly well what they were doing. Um, Assistant Crown Attorney Craig Fraser suggested over yesterday and today, it was a a day and a half cross-examination, that Tim Bosma was likely killed just after leaving his house that night. He says Bosma would have been on high alert, but these are weird circumstances. They showed up after 9 o'clock. Um, we've heard that Mark Smith kind of seemed sketchy. He had some sketchy vibes. He was hanging back. Um, and that, that that's just an odd time for anyone to come see a truck. So he suggests that Bosma would have been suspicious as they pulled up to this field um, if this story about a friend was, was true. I mean, obviously, the story itself wasn't true, but if it's true that there was a story given. Um, so he suggests that that is where Tim Bosma was killed and that the two of them then drove away as planned, pulling over in Brantford to, uh, for a repositioning of the body, is how he put it. Um, he says that Smith's claim that he uh, just followed them naively in, to Brantford is nonsense, that nobody takes a 38-minute test drive to another city, that that's just not what people do, and that's not what happened that night. Um, so they say that, that the whole thing was planned, that they'd spent a year doing it, that if it simply had been about stealing a truck, as both men claim, they would have done it as soon as they thought it up. We've heard about several thefts that they've done together and got away with. So the Crown argued that this should have been easy for them if they really were just out to steal a truck. Has there been any suggestion about, because the Crown has clearly alleged this, as you say, to steal, kill, and burn. Why would they want to kill Tim Bosma as opposed to just taking the truck? Has the Crown offered a theory yet on a motive for the killing part? The Crown Crown hasn't been explicit about that. Um, We did hear the the only um, sense we've really gotten of this came from a friend of the two of them. He was actually Dylan Millard's roommate. So Andrew Michalski, who testified much earlier in this trial, I don't even remember when at this point, it's been four months, um, he testified that when Dylan Millard told him of his plans to steal a truck, they told him where to go, that he didn't think he had any reason to steal a truck. He had money. He could buy one. That the only reason he could think of that he would want to do that is for the thrill. So... When you hear these three different versions of stories, they are three uh, obviously completely different positions. As you, you've been there every day, you've heard all the evidence. Does the evidence in your mind fit with one, two, all? Where, where does the evidence actually from what you've heard, or can you say where it seems to align best? I mean, well, first of all, it's it's not for me to say, but I mean, we're looking at 16 weeks of evidence at this point. There's the Crown called 91 witnesses, and Smitch makes 92. So that's a lot of people for the jury to hear from and a lot of people for them to weigh the credibility for. So that's going to be a major part of this is um, there's evidence that uh, both helps and refutes this story, all three of these stories. Hmm. And it's going to be up to the jury to decide who they believe. So, for example, today the Crown um, referenced the testimony of Marlena Menezes, who was Smitch's girlfriend, who said that when the two picked her up on the morning of May 7th, which, according to the Crown's theory, would have been just after they left the hangar from burning the body, uh, she said that they were celebrating, that they were very happy, and they told her the mission went well. 
Um, so Smitch said, oh, I don't know where she got that from, um, that she hadn't mentioned it in the past, that she just mentioned it in court. And the Crown argued, well, she's somebody who you yourself has testified was a good, honest person. She's not out to make things up. Um, so I, I think that's a perfect example of a witness who the jury's going to have to think long and hard about and decide um, who and, and what they believe. Yeah, you know what? There's so much stuff to go through. I mean, I, I will be honest, Molly. I mean, as much as you and Susan and all the other people and Alex Pearson who have been covering this, uh, it, it's been a grind. The jury is going to have to finish this and then basically go back and redo the whole thing again to go over everything. That, that's just, that's almost unfathomably difficult with all the amount of what they've heard. Oh, they're going to have wheelbarrows full of evidence to go through. Absolutely. I mean, um, the next step in this will be the, the closing argument, which will help to summarize um, each uh, side's story, as you say. Uh, and then from there, they're going to get a detailed charge from the from the judge, and those are the final instructions on uh, kind of how to weigh and assess and apply all this evidence that they've heard. Uh, so I think, it, I mean, in all cases, but especially in a case as uh, lengthy and high profile as this, that's going to be um, crucial for them in, in kind of navigating that process. Yeah, and the one thing I will bet my mortgage on, we will not have an O.J. Simpson-style four-hour jury deliberation followed by a verdict. I, I, I mean, they, they're they going to have to be out for days. I have given up guessing anything. <laughs> one thing, though, that I find very um, in, in probably important, but also very intriguing about what we've heard after now, the cross-examinations and everything else, there is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, there is no dispute from either side that the two of them were there that night. Like, there's no longer a window where one of them is going to take the position that I, why am I even here? I was completely innocent. I had nothing to do with this. They have both, through their lawyers or Smitch in person, acknowledged some kind of involvement in something that evening. They both have, yes. So by this point, um, we... I mean, it's, it's noticeable in print when you go from saying he left his house to go to take two men for a test drive to saying he left his house to take Del Millard and Mark Smith on a test drive. There's so no dispute anymore. Yeah, there's no dispute anymore about that. No, and, and both of them have um, have said that he was shot and killed, so that is not a dispute either. It's, it's just a matter of who uh, pulled the trigger. That's what they both disagree on and, and point at each other for. So, Molly, at this point then, and again, we don't know what the judge is going to offer. I know they're both charged with first-degree murder, so that's the worst or best-case scenario, depending which side you want to come from this on, that they get convicted of that. But is there any, because they both have basically all but acknowledged they were there, is there any possibility they could be fully acquitted or the fact that now they're going to be convicted of something because they were there and did something in the aftermath. It seems like it's almost impossible now to imagine there could be an acquittal completely in this case. You know, I, I, I really couldn't say. I, I know it's a, it's a complicated one, um, especially uh, with Smitch's story. I mean, if the jury were to believe him, he is saying that he was completely innocent. 
So um, I think that that is where the, especially the charge is going to come in, um, in kind of giving them that decision tree and what what their options are and um, how they would arrive at each of those decisions. It is, uh, uh, yeah, it's fascinating because the other thing is, I mean, and, and I know you just said you've given up trying to guess. Do you have any sense now, Molly, we're short on time here, but do you have any sense on how much longer this is going, to, leaving aside the jury deliberations, we have no idea what that's going to mm-hmm. be, but do you have any idea how much longer the trial itself is going to be? You know what, I couldn't say. I know that we're going to get the, the closing arguments next week, and then the, the judge's charge is, is uh, expected to follow right after that. So I would I would expect another, maybe we'll be there another two weeks before they're out to deliberate. Well, but, not, but not, I mean, it is close. Full two weeks, it's, it's, it's close, close though. The end, the end is in sight, for sure. You know, if, if for nothing else, I can't imagine. Are the, have the Bosmas still been there every day? Every day, and it's not just about the immediate Bosman family either. It's uh, friends and family and members of their church community. They've taken to calling themselves the Bosma Army because they do file in every day and fill the rows of that courtroom. So um, there's a, a core few who have been there every single day, but they have uh, no shortage of support throughout this entire process. And, and while clearly, I mean, I would I understand and I've read and you've done a great job covering this, that there have been moments along the way, even recently, when there's been moments of great emotion when they hear different parts of what happened. Has there been any, have, have you noticed that there's been any change in their demeanor only in the way that we, they now know for sure at the very least that the police have the right people, that they were the ones who were there. They at least have that amount of knowledge. Has that, have you noticed that it's gotten any, that there's been some small bit of weight taken off the family or is it still highly, highly emotional every single day for them? I think it's going to continue continue to be highly emotional long after this is over. I mean, not even just um, obviously because they've they've lost somebody they loved in such a horrific way, but I think um, at this point, I mean, it's a daunting process, like you said. Like the, It's a lot of evidence for the jury to take in, but it's also a lot of evidence and information and, and data and science and everything for the family to take in. So it has been highly emotional, but I also imagine at this point that... Um, that they must just be tired of, yeah. of hearing information and absorbing it and, and of trying to make sense of it. Because that's the thing, even if regardless of, of what proves to be true, um, quote unquote, I, I'm not sure that, that you get closure. I mean, by all accounts in this, all three, the Crown and, and both Smith and Millard, um, everyone pointing at each other. The one thing that everyone agrees on is that he was killed because of his truck. And I think that's a hard pill to swallow. Is, as I let you go, is that really right now the one, th- uh, is there anything else or is that basically the one thing that everybody agrees on? I mean, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what everybody's saying. Mitch says that Millard did it because he wanted a truck. He said, he says, Millard said, I'm taking the truck. Millard said, Mitch says, we're taking the truck. And the Crown says that the two of them crafted this plan over the course of the year and then executed it with chilling perfection to get a truck. You know, I'm not the first person to say this, Molly, but... What a waste. I mean, honestly, what an absolute ridiculous waste for a truck. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, honestly, if, that's, if that is what it's down to now, that we can establish that that is the one solid fact out of this case to this point, that's just, it, it's almost unfathomable that that would be why someone lost their life. Anyway, I, you have uh, more work to do and more case to cover, so really appreciate you taking some time tonight to do this, Molly. Thanks. Thanks for having me.